The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. This is episode 62, and we're talking Euro 2020 semifinals. The very first semifinal match took place today. England, sorry, no, Italy versus versus Spain. England is tomorrow. Uh, today was Italy versus Spain. It was in England. It was at Wembley. And it was one heck of a match, and let me tell you, it was a match that really uh, pulled a lot of emotion out of out of those who who watched it, and especially for supporters. You know, it was a very uh, back and forth. I mean, yes, Spain saw a lot more of the ball. Spain was was better in a lot of phases of the game, but again, again, you can possess all you want if you don't put the ball in the back of the goal. You're going home. And Spain learned that the hard way today. Yeah, they were a little bit unlucky. Um, the cries for a penalty kick against Chiellini, I think it, that was explained on, at least here on the U.S. Uh, feed of the broadcast, it was explained why it was not a penalty. That is now the new interpretation of the rules in in, in FIFA and UEFA and IFAB. So, I mean, it, it it's... It's just, you know, an unfortunate thing for Spain, but again, Spain is a team and this is this is the impression I was getting of Spain as as the match was going. And for those of you that are brand new watching for the first time, I should introduce myself. This is only, you know, the 18th, I think, Euro 2020 uh, episode I've put out. Um, I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. If you're watching live, you see my name and my handle there on your screen. And uh, this is the Parking the Bus podcast, and for the past three weeks or so, the Parking the Bus podcast has been solely, exclusively, basically, with the exception of a few bonus segments, has been all about the Euro. And it's amazing that we have gotten through so much of this competition, and um, and we've gotten through so many days of, of great matches. And, and it was, again, when it first started... It just looks like the tournament that's going to go on forever, and and here we are, one of the finalists already clinched. Okay, congratulations! I've got to do this. Okay, I have to do this today. Forza Azuri. Yes, it's ninety degrees, but I'm gonna put a scarf on because, well, Italy's going to the final, and I have a very happy Italian wife and very happy Italian. Son at home 
right now celebrating uh, while I am here recording this. And, um, well, I think Italy Italy did well to get... They did what they had to do today. This is a match, I think, that can define a championship team. And what I mean by that is this is a matchup where things didn't go the way they wanted. Things didn't go according to plan, okay? Therefore, when, when that's the case, when things don't go according to plan, you have to you have to be able to adjust and you have to be able to find new ways to to you know maximize your output find new ways to reach your objectives and of course in a semifinal the objective is always to advance um Italy waited for the perfect moments to get on the board and they did that they countered they 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 absorbed pressure from the spanish over and over and over again and we had a real good match in goal for for uh, Gianluca uh, Donnarumma. He was very, very good today. Very good. Um, not just with, with shot stopping, but in terms of organizing players in front of him. There was a lot of times Spain got in, and that last ball was always cut out by Chiellini, cut out by Bonucci, cut out by um, by uh, Di Lorenzo, the right back. Okay, Emerson stepped in as a as a substitute, or if you will, as a replacement for Spinozola, which, you know, that's a big loss for Italy, losing Spinozola. Emerson came in, I don't think they lost much. I mean, yes, they didn't get the same the same attack going forward, but you were never going to get that against Spain, okay? You were never going to get the same kind of offensive output against Spain that you get against, you know, Austria or that you get... Uh, against even Belgium, this this was a much different team. You're not going to get the ball. I think Roberto Mancini understood that. I think he made some substitutions though that made things much more difficult for Italy down the stretch. I understand why those substitutions were made. I certainly understand. However, I think he he left his team in a bad situation in terms of trying to get back and trying to get a goal to win it once Spain went level. And um, of course, these are the gambles managers take in every knockout match. Essentially, you get. I just thought maybe he made the defense-minded substitutions a few minutes too early. I think he could have held the hell off till the 82nd, 83rd, 84th minute. Um, he he did it much sooner than that. He did it in the 70 70 odd minutes, and you know, it ends up with a brilliant goal from Spain. I mean, great, great. Combination play. What what a game for Danny Olmo of Spain. I thought he was just fantastic today. He was Spain's best player on the park, in my opinion. Just linking up, playing. He was asked to do an impossible job to play as a false nine. But once once Luis Enrique subbed on uh, Moreno, subbed on Morata, all of a sudden Danny Olmo slides into that number 10 position in behind him, and he's feeding them balls. And all of a sudden, Spain... For once, get vertical. And once you get vertical against an aging defense like Italy's, you're going to get opportunities. That goal came straight out of that. Now, with that said, what a performance for those two OGs in the back of the Italian defense. Of course, I'm talking about Bonucci and Chiellini. Those two were absolute OG original gangsters out there. Once again, where are these guys finding this fitness to play 120 minutes at this stage of the season, at this stage of their careers, in these high of stakes against this type of attack-minded team? 
hats off without a doubt to those two. Um, again, I thought, uh, you know, Jorginho was kept quiet a little bit more today, but you got, you had a great game from Verratti until he came off. Chiesa comes up big. I love that kid so much. I love watching that kid play. Federico Chiesa once again, once again, gets his name on the score sheet and should have, should have been the one to send Italy through to the final. Unfortunately, you know, it kind of fell apart there at the end for the Italians and uh, Spain were able to pull level and force extra time. But once it went to extra time, you know, it was it was anybody's game. But you could see that due to the substitutions made, what happens, and this always happens in this situation, when one team needs the equalizing goal and they start making substitutions to get the equalizing goal, meanwhile the other team's playing chess against them and they're making defense-minded substitutions to prevent it, when that goal does come and it's 1-1 and suddenly you got 30 more minutes of football to play, one team is equipped to go looking for the goal and the other team is equipped to play for penalties. And that's kind of how the extra time played out. And... You had to be smart if you're Italy. You know, they, they, you missed the ship on trying to win it in 90 minutes. And you got to hold on at that point. You don't have the personnel on the pitch anymore to go create goals as easily. If the opportunity comes, you take it. But if not, I mean, if it's not on, you just you just continue to keep yourself safe and to keep yourself uh, from conceding again. And you give yourself a chance to win in the penalties. And I know that a lot of... Fans and a lot of people are very turned off on penalties. I think they're friggin' fantastic. That's my 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 personal take. I love penalty kicks. There is nothing more uh, intense, nothing more suspenseful, nothing more nerve wracking, nor nauseating than a penalty shootout in a knockout, you know, competition, World Cup, Euro, Copa America. There is nothing like it in any other sport. You cannot compare it. There just isn't, it just doesn't exist anywhere else. Not even an ice hockey shootout has the same type of suspense or same type of, of intense pressure because the expectation is so high in a penalty shootout that every every kicker is expected to score. That's some high stakes. And um, I was explaining to my wife, you know, as she's getting into this match, that, you know, and she says, you know, uh, penalties sometimes seem unfair. The team, one team plays better. I go, yeah, you know how they used to settle these things? They used to flip a coin. There was a time where teams went out of the European Cup or the Euro, the Europa, the UEFA Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup on coin flips. So thank you to whoever came up with penalty kicks to the penalty shootout as a replacement for the coin flip. Um, but... Again, it's I don't like when people say that it's a lottery, that it's luck. No, 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 no. One team clearly took their penalties better than the other. At the end of the day, you have to live with the pressure. And yes, the crew on ESPN made a good point that it's really hard to win a penalty shootout. It's even harder to win a second one a few days later. And, and both Spain and Switzerland saw themselves win shootouts in the round of 16 and find themselves going out. In the later stages, or I should say, Spain won a shootout in the in the quarterfinals. But you see, the two teams that had to go to more than one penalty shootout could not win the second one. Um, so let's let's pull up the match now and talk about it a little bit more in detail. As um, this won't be as long of an episode tonight. Obviously, only one match to talk about. Um, 
let let's get right into it. Okay, as you know, we are at Wembley for this one, and it is Italy versus Spain. The referee, as you probably know if you watched it, seems to be the referee. On, I mean, I feel like I've seen this guy referee five to ten matches already in this tournament. I know that's not the real number, but it just I just seem to see him all the time. It's Felix Birch of Germany. Uh, 57,811, the official attendance tonight, the largest of the tournament. And again, so much for travel bans, it didn't matter. Both of these teams have enough supporters living in England to fill the stadium. Well done to both sets of supporters. The lineup starting for Spain, Luis Enrique goes to his patented 4-3-3. And he starts with Tunay Simon in goal once again. Cesar Aspilqueta is the right back and the captain. Actually, he's not the captain today. I take that back. Eric Garcia and Laporte are the center back pairing with Jordi Alba down the left. Sergio Busquets is the captain today. Uh, the Barcelona man sits anchoring midfield with Coque to his right and Pedri to his left. And interesting selection in attack for Luis Enrique. Leaving out Gerard Moreno, leaving out Alvaro Morata, and starting with Dani Olmo as a strike as a false nine striker, Mikel Oyarzabal and Fernan Ferran Torres are the other two in attack alongside Olmo for Italy four three three as well for Roberto Mancini, the goalkeeper John Luigi Donnarumma. I think I called him Gianluca earlier. My apologies. It's Gianluigi. I should know that. And I do know that. I don't know why I said Gianluca. It's Gianluigi Donnarumma. Soon to be of PSG. Giovanni Di Lorenzo, the right back. Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini. As I said, the OGs in the center of defense with Emerson at the left. In midfield, Jorginho anchors with Marco Verratti to his left. And Nico, Nicolo Barella to his right. Up front, the expected uh, attack trio. Ciro Immobile is the striker with Lorenzo Insigne to his right, to his left, and Federico Chiesa to his right. So this match um, started off very, very cagey, if you will. I think both teams were kind of feeling each other out. Spain getting their touches in early. They love to get their touches in. Spain got a lot of possession, as anyone would have expected. Some of that by design, no doubt. No doubt at all that Mancini allowed them to have possession because he did not want to get into he did not want to get into a situation where he was leaving himself exposed. And we have our first comment of the show here. James makes picks says Georgie is world class for his country, making up for an uninspiring finish. Uh, for Chelsea this season, oh, he is something, isn't he? With, with with Italy, he is absolutely a. I think they called him a metronome, and that if you know in music, the thing that ticks back and forth. And I call him the the orchestra conductor. He's just in midfield. He had a harder time today. I think uh, Spain did a good job of keeping the ball, um, and keeping it away from him. Obviously, because Spain defends. If you haven't figured out, they defend by possessing. They don't just, I'm realizing they don't just possess for the sake of possessing like it may look to the, to the naked eye because when they don't have the ball, they get in a lot of trouble. If they don't win it back immediately, they get in trouble. Spain possess because they can't defend worth a lick. Let's be honest, okay? They cannot defend. Um, 
their best defense is to have the ball. That's why they keep it for 70, again, another 70% possession today. But a lot of that not in dangerous areas, especially through, you know, the first hour of the match. They got a few chances here and there. Uh, Busquets had a good chance, but he put it too high. He put it over the goal. But I think that, um, I think that Italy just made the simple adjustment and retreated a little bit into the classic Italian football, into the classic Cantanaggio. And they just sat a little deeper, not too deep, but just a little deeper. And they waited for their chances to counter. But when they did, they they countered. When they found Insigne out on the left flank, or they found Chiesa on the right flank, okay? Um, Again, nothing from Immobile today. A tough, tough match for Immobile once again. Although he was involved in the goal, if not indirectly, he loses the ball. It has he he's the one with the ball that loses it to have it poked right out to where Chiesa collected it, and then Chiesa takes uh, takes the ball, puts it on his preferred right foot, and and shoots and scores, which shouldn't have surprised anybody. Not sure what Laporte was doing on that. Did he really think that Chiesa was going to carry that left? I find that hard to believe that he really thought Chiesa was gonna was gonna go left with that and then force a shot on his weak foot when the the strong inside foot shot was always there. Um, Spain in this match had a total of 16 shots. Again, only one goal to show for it. Um, Luis Enrique, Spanish FA. You see where you have to improve. And James is here. James has got another comment, so I'm going to read it for everybody in case you're listening on the podcast and you can't see it. He says, how about that Chiesa strike of beauty the entire... I love that play, okay? What I love about that play is what they said a few moments later, and it said it took exactly 13 seconds from Donnarumma rolling it out to Chiesa putting it in the back of the net. That's how you attack, in my opinion. That's a way to attack a team that does not like to defend a team that likes to play with a certain rhythm, a certain flow. And I'm talking about Spain, of course. They like the game to be, like I say, like the waves of an ocean, but not like in the harbor, you know, nice and and steady. Whereas what they don't like is when you have tidal waves, (laughs) when you got breakers breaking everywhere. They don't like to be that unsettled. The best way to attack a team like Spain is exactly that. Donnarumma comes out, catches it, and is already looking to distribute. This is what I mean when I say he had such a good game, and it's not just shot-stopping. He did his share of that, but this goal comes from his his wherewithal, from his vision. As soon as he catches that ball and he, he's he's got momentum and he's running with it, he's looking to see if he can get a long a long uh, throw or roll out. He's looking to see where they can attack from. It doesn't take him long. He gets it out. I think it go it goes to Emerson first, who then finds Insigne, and Insigne flies down the flank, plays at central for Immobile. Immobile has it poked away, but right on to the path of Federico Chiesa. Proud to call him my fantasy team captain, as Federico Chiesa puts it on his preferred shooting foot. 1-0. That was in the 60th minute. Um, a few more stats in this one. So accurate passes. Again, I you know sometimes I beat Spain up for this, but at the same time, this is how they defend. That this is a, a, a deeper level of understanding when you start to watch them a lot, okay? And you start to see where they're vulnerable and when they get exploited. 
I think you start to see exactly why they play the way they do, even though they don't have, you know, they don't have the deadly strikers to score goals um, with the type of chances they create. And sometimes you think they'd be better served just to go to a little more direct and use the element of surprise. But um, again, 805 accurate passes for Spain today. That's against Italy. Contrast that to Italy's total of 287 accurate passes. Spain completed 89% of their pass attempts. A very, very high efficiency. But again, between the chances missed and the number of them that are square and backwards, they that loses some effect for me. I mean, I prefer to not see my team play this way, but I understand why... This was probably the the way that they give themselves the best opportunity to succeed. And that's why I think Luis Enrique has him playing this brand of football. It's not just because he prefers it. It's not just because it's in his blood having come through Barcelona. He also played for Real Madrid. So he can, he can get down and dirty if he needs to. Um, but I think it comes from the realization that one, this team is not good defensively. And two, Remember, they had goalkeeping questions coming into this tournament, whether it was going to be Unai Simon or it was going to be David De Gea. Um, and three, they don't have a an out-and-out goal scorer. And the one they do is just in the slump of his career, Alvaro Morata. And my heart cries for Alvaro Morata right now. I mean, he's endured more than any one player should have to endure in a major tournament. And we thought we'd seen his renaissance. We thought we've seen his resurrection here in these knockout stages, picking up goals. And today he gets the equalizer coming off the bench. And then they have him take one of the five penalty kicks. We'll get to the penalty kicks in just a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about the second half now. Um, we're talking about Spain, of course, coming back once once Chiesa goes puts Italy ahead uh, in the 60th minute. Spain then uh, responds with substitutions. Alvaro Morata replaces Ferran Torres. Gerard Moreno replaces Mikel Oyarzabal, and Rodri replaces Coque. And now Mancini plays his hand. And this is something I think he did too early. That's, of course, I have I have hindsight, and it's easy it's easy to say now that it was too early. But I felt it at the time that he was making these changes just a tad too early. He brings on Matteo Pessina and Rafael Toloi in the seventy third. Out comes Marco Verratti and Emerson. And I think Verratti's presence in midfield was was felt, or his absence was felt immediately. Um, Spain instantly with that with their injection of two forwards, which allowed Dani Olmo to play a more withdrawn free role in the in the gap in the space between the midfielders and and the forwards. Um, with that, and then you time that with the exit of Verratti, and I think you left a little bit of too much there. For Spain to take. And they score a beauty of a goal in the 80th. It only took 7 minutes. As some nice combination play. And then Danny Olmo makes the makes the cutting pass. That just goes right through. And a perfectly timed run from Alvaro Morata. Puts him in behind the defenders. By the time they can turn he's gone. 
Uh, Donnarumma does everything he can to make himself long. He he goes down trying to make himself long, but Morata slides it near post in the in the space there, bends it around Donnarumma's outstretched leg, and the ball goes in along the ground just to the inside of the post. One one, and that end of Wembley erupts. You could hear them erupt as the Spanish feel like they're in it again. And Spain had never lost a semifinal before. They came into this perfect in semifinals, at least as far as the Euro is concerned. I think that also uh, goes for the World Cup. But they came in perfect in semifinals. They've never lost one. And here, at this moment, they go level with 10 minutes to play. And everyone watching would have said that they were the more likely to get the next goal. Again, that was the two substitute, you know, the substitutions that that uh, Mancini was starting to make were were you know retreating the team in a sense, and even so, it started in even earlier when he pulled off Chiro the hero. Chiro Immobile comes off for Domenico Berardi. Berardi failed to really make an impact in this match. He had a couple of good opportunities. He got a couple of good looks in space. But he was not the same Berardi we saw in the group stage. And uh, we've seen that, you know, Mancini has opted for 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 Chiesa over Berardi, whereas in the early matches he was opting for Berardi. Berardi had the chance running at, at um, I want to say it was at, uh, who's, he was running at one of the center backs, and now I don't remember exactly which one it was, but he lost the ball. He he went to to because he's running at him at pace. Okay, he I think it was it was um it was Eric Garcia. He was running at that's who it was. So he's running at Eric Garcia, which we saw in the first group stage. He ran at defenders. He would beat them, slide the ball across, or take it himself. He he didn't even get the ball, you know, off his. He, he kind of messed up his footwork and ended up taking a heavy touch, and it goes out of bounds. So, he, his form has dipped just a little bit, but of course, Federico Chiesa has has increased and has taken over that spot. And I'm expecting to see Chiesa get the start on Sunday as well. Um, so we move through, and that is the end of the 90 minutes. So we go to the extra time and it is Spain starting better I I think in this extra time Olmo he starts to to get hit a little bit he started to get a few fouls uh he was bundled to the ground by Toloi Rodri would float a free kick into the middle of the box looking for Morata in the middle but it's over the substitute's head and cleared by Di Lorenzo there were other opportunities also, that Oyarzabal had. The ball was floated in. He'd beaten the offside trap. It's just him and Donnarumma. If he heads it in any direction at all within the frame of the goal, it's going in. However, Oyarzabal fails to get any contact on the ball. And it was just play after play, opportunity after opportunity being squandered by Spain. In the extra time, they had quite a few of these. And... and um, and here, Spain are just the second team in European 
championship history to have as many as three matches go to extra time after Portugal in 2016. So they followed, this is true, this was their third consecutive extra time match. However, they were definitely the fresher of the two sides. Italy was more tired down the stretch. There's no question about that. And maybe it's what Taylor Twelman said. With all these substitutions, maybe that's not a big deal anymore, having to go to extra time every match. Maybe it's not the same drain um on the team and and maybe he's right i'm not you know this is the most substitutions we've ever allowed in football uh, you know five during the 90 minutes and then an additional one in extra time so it doesn't surprise me if that's true but again spain just really getting all of the opportunities here as Olmo in the 97th dummies as if he's going to drive into the box before stepping down on the left. Completely wrong foots Toloy. The substitute sticks his arm out and takes him down, which earns Toloy a booking. Olmo swings the free kick into the box, and Donnarumma has to get down to push it away. This was a nice free kick. He hit this low and hard. He did not cross this. He managed to get solid contact and to keep it low because what he was trying to do was force Donnarumma to make a save but not hold on to it because there was plenty of Spanish players running in, crashing the goal, ready to tap it in. But Donnarumma does well to parry it away it does go to Morata who pulls it back across the box and pinballs it around bouncing off both sets of players before going wide for a goal kick in the 102nd it's almost still causing all sorts of problems for Italy and the RB Leipzig player finds himself in another pocket of space through the middle he tries to slip it through to Morata, but there's too much on the pass and it rolls through to Donnarumma. Spain continue to dominate possession and Italy just can't find a way out of their own half. And that was the story of the first period of extra time, no doubt. Rodri playing a, a great through ball down to Marcos Llorente down the right, but his low cross gets blocked by Bonucci. And this is one of the plays specifically that I'm thinking of and remembering when I say that these two OGs just had themselves. You can call them old all you want. They've got it here. And they are, you know, and when I say here, I'm pointing to my head. They make movements perfectly they don't waste any motion at all in making their movements they don't waste a single step and that's how they're still playing at this stage of their careers still playing at this level and about to go to a final um halftime comes still 1-1 at the start of the second half we see a substitution is Thiago Alcantara enters Sergio Busquets goes out and for Italy, Federico Chiesa's day is done. Federico Bernadeschi replaces. So the Juve man replaces another Juve man. Pau Torres comes on in the 109th minute for Spain. He replaces Eric Garcia. Chiellini lifts a great ball over the top for Berardi, who is pointing to where he wants it. Brings it down with a great first touch. Simone rushes off his line, and Berardi fires it into the goal. Celebrates for a split second, only to see the referee's flag. Go up for offside. It's a good call. Um, it's just so annoying when these referees... I understand why, but it is obnoxious how long the play can sometimes continue before they blow the whistle on the offside. Sometimes I swear 45 seconds have gone by. Um, this one wasn't nearly that long, but it felt it because you're waiting to see if this goal could stand, and then once you see the replay, you see he's clearly 
offside. Um, sloppiness starting to creep in to Spain's play here in the 112th, though. Italy have a chance to break on the counter again. Bellotti takes a heavy touch uh, this time and ends up fouling Jordi Alba in the process in an attempt to hold the ball. Spain starting to look tired in the 114th, and they slowly no longer moving the ball upfield as quickly and... You know, you can start to see it set into both teams' body language. There comes a play, if you've played this game, okay, and I'm not going to pretend I've played in a Euro or anything of that, but I've played in a knockout game that goes to extra time just like this, and you're tired, and I'd been in there from the start, and we're in minute 115, and you're tired, and you've been running, you know, all match, and it just doesn't seem like... you know, anything's going to break the deadlock. There comes a point in your mind where you start to accept. You start to accept that this match is probably going to penalties. And there comes a time for some players when you realize you're so tired, you wish that you would just get there now. Uh, sometimes that is the case. Italy seemed to be watching the clock more in the extra time. They seem to be the ones more comfortable going to penalties. But why wouldn't they when we know what Spain's penalty record is over the past several months, I guess you could say. Um, Yes, they won a shootout in the last round, but they missed two two shots in that that, uh, penalty shootout as well. You have to think that you like your chances... Um, that you like your chances if your opponent is going to miss two shots. If you th- You're thinking you like your chances of missing fewer than two. And really, the game just, just plays itself out. We get a yellow card to Bonucci in the 118th minute for a high boot to win the ball. And he caught Morata with that high boot and went into the referee's book. Full-time whistle blows right at 120 on the dot. So the match is going to go to penalties after a 1-1 draw between Italy and Spain. Italy had a goal ruled out for offside in the second half of extra time, as we just mentioned, after Berardi hit the back of the net. But he set off early, and it was spotted by the referee's assistant. The best chance for Spain in the extra 30 minutes fell to Olmo, but Donnarumma punched away his free kick up. First for Italy is Manuel Locatelli. He's the first one taking the penalty kick. You could see during the coin flip as well, Chiellini and and uh, Azil Pueta were in two uh, were in two very very different. No, I'm sorry, it was Jordi Alba. It was it was Chiellini and Jordi Alba were the captains now at this point. Chiellini horsing around with them, playing with them, and Jordi Alba looking very nervous and. Uh, there was some dispute or something about which end of the field uh, he had selected. And, and Chiellini, you could hear Chiellini correcting him and Chiellini calling him, Oh, mentiroso. Oh, you liar. As, as they were horse playing. But, but you could see there was a lot more pressure on Jordi Alba's face than on Giorgio Chiellini's. So Italy did look the looser coming into the shootout. So the first one was Locatelli. And he steps up. And Simone comes up with the save. Locatelli was first to step up. He goes low to the goalkeeper's left. Simone gets down well and gets a strong hand to keep it out. 
And the next one was Dani Olmo. And after such a fantastic match, such a great performance in my opinion for Dani Olmo today, this would do him wrong in the end. Um, what ends up happening? Okay, he's going to the same exact area he went to against Switzerland. And Donnarumma was ready for it. Donnarumma guessed correctly. And I, and I think from reading his body language, almost knows that Donnarumma's guessed correctly. And what he does is I think he just tenses up enough to try to put as much power as he can into the shot, hoping he can kick it by Donnarumma because now he knows he guessed correctly. And throws his equilibrium off just enough to raise the ball up and over the bar. 0-0 zero, zero after one round in the shootout. Then it is Andrea Bo uh, Bellotti who steps up. And he just absolutely confidently hammers it to the goalkeeper's right. Kisses it off the post if I'm not mistaken. But puts so much pace and power on that ball low. Just out of the reach of Donor of um of Unai Simon. This the next shooter is for Spain and it is Gerard Moreno. And he stutters before he hits the penalty and he lifts his shot over Donnarumma who goes the right way again but can't keep this one out. And it is one one after two rounds. Leonardo Bonucci is next and yes OG number one just steps up calmly with no with no stress it just beats just beats Unai Simon sends him the wrong way and everything next up is Thiago Alcantara for Spain and he does a short approach and calmly slots it to the goalkeeper's right the goalkeeper dives to the other side 2-2 two, two after three Federico Bernadeschi is next and he has a great penalty as Simone's getting nowhere near it. Fires his effort into the top corner out of the goalkeeper's reach. Next for Spain is on, it's Alvaro Morata. And again, I'm sad for him. He had just rebuilt his name a little bit. He had just played his way out of a slump. Unfortunately, Morata has a terrible penalty. Donnarumma guesses right, and Morata passes it to him, essentially. And that sets up Jorginho with a chance to win it and send Italy to the final. Jorginho steps up, does his hop. Unai Simone goes flying one way. Jorginho calmly slots it the other. Italy win and advance to the final. And again, why is the goalkeeper going early on a penalty shooter like Jorginho, who always does his hop. That hop makes you flinch. The one thing you do if it's going to be like that is not go early, no matter what you do. But Jorginho gets him to go the wrong way. Italy win. They're on to the final. Now, real quickly, we'll, we'll uh, take a quick look at tomorrow's semifinal to find out who plays Italy. Now, everybody and their mother is picking England in this match, except probably the Danes and their mothers. They're definitely probably believing in themselves right now. I'm looking at the Fat Mob poll, and 69% have England winning, while only 13 have Denmark winning, going 
Uh, the match going extra time, 18% voted for that. That is just under 50,000 votes. So you can get where the perception is about this one. Um, it's England's match to lose. But if you're Denmark, I think this is the perfect place to catch England. This is where they can slip up if they're not prepared and if they're not mentally checked in, lasered in, they could find themselves in trouble here if they're already thinking about the final. And if you're Denmark, the semifinal is the best place to catch this England team. Denmark is going to believe in themselves. Kasper Schmeichel already, you know, in the press conference, lit it up today. There's no question that the Danes can can run with the English team. They beat them at Wembley you know, back in what October or November in the Nations League, this is—they're not unfamiliar with them. England are going to be under a lot of pressure, and unlike the Ukraine, Denmark need to keep a clean sheet for a good chunk of this match. The longer England doesn't score, the quicker and the heavier that the pressure amounts on them. Okay. The pressure will mount and mount and mount. And with every missed shot, it gets that much more difficult for England. If, if Denmark can, can keep it, can keep it preferably at nil-nil or can keep it close and get a few chances of their own. If Denmark score first, it'll be real interesting to see how England responds. They've yet to to trail. They have yet to concede in this competition. So, again, anybody's game. Um, You still have to play them. I think England will be professional enough to show up to get the result. It may not be as pretty as people want, but England will advance, I think, to take on Italy in the final on Sunday. And I think that will be, um, it'll be one for the ages, no question about it. And I think that is going to do it for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone for joining me tonight. Um, again, thank you to everyone who downloads the podcast, listens to it there. Please give it a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Like, subscribe, share it. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button right down there and then hit the little bell next to it and get alerted every time I go live. And I will be back tomorrow night, okay? And I think what we'll have tomorrow night is we'll have the bonus um, segment tomorrow with um, with the breakdown of the semifinals in the Copa America. Uh, one was played last night. Brazil last night won their spot in the final. Tonight, Argentina playing Colombia. So um, tomorrow, I'll break that down and get everybody ready for the Copa America final on Saturday. But as far as for Parking the Bus, episode 62, this is going to do it here. Okay, I want to thank everyone again for listening, watching, however you're following. Make sure to go to www.parkingthebusmedia.com and check out the homepage. All of the old episodes are there as well. It's all in a playlist. And also, don't forget to follow the social media at PTB underscore media on on Twitter and on Instagram. And again, same thing. All right. And um, coming in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start using my my personal Twitter Twitter handle. But for now, we'll keep the at PTB underscore media handle. And um, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Thank you for, for watching. This has been 
Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. Flying from the sun Hey, I hardly know you Can I confess I feel your heart Beating in my chest If you come with me Tonight's gonna be the one Cause you faith And no fear for the fight You pull hope from defeat In the night there's an image of you in my mind Could be mad, but you might just be right We are the people we've been waiting for Out of the ruins of hate and war Army of lovers never seen before We are the people we've been waiting for We are the people
Estávamos brinda novamente O um sorriso na cara está sempre presente O nosso caminho é seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado e vivo o presente E se for, primeiro levo toda a gente Ao meu lado, tenho os mesmos desde sempre Firma na corrida com a fé na minha vida até o fim só sabemos viver assim Olhem para mim Para tudo passa a palavra Digo que estou aqui Com família, amigos A minha volta para repetir Uma festa Uma festa Essa palavra é que eu tô 